At Rockland Trust, each relationship matters, and we know that your relationship with money may be complicated and may need some extra love and attention. But where do you start? I'm Julie Beckham, the Financial Education Officer at Rockland Trust, and this is the No Shame in This Money Game podcast. What you should have done and could have done, didn't know and should have known, doesn't matter anymore. There's no use spending one more minute blaming or shaming yourself. Because really, with everything going on in the world right now, you don't have time to get down on yourself. And you don't deserve it. We're all in this together, starting now. And like I said, there's no shame in this money game. Welcome to the No Shame in This Money Game podcast, where today we are talking about special needs trusts. As usual, I am the financial educator and host today, and we actually have two guests here, two of my colleagues actually, to talk about special needs trusts. Thank you to Scott Scales and June Zito, both relationship managers at Rockland Trust's Investment Management Group. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me, Julie. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Julie, for having me. I truly appreciate this. Now, about a year ago, I produced a podcast about trusts and wills and estate planning, but the two of you specialize in special needs trusts, um, which is very specific. Scott, what made you focus in on this kind of work? Yeah, so actually this service has been offered by Rockland Trust for in the investment management group for many years, but about a year or so ago, we decided to focus more of what we do serving this capacity for these types of individuals. And really what I think brought my interest in this is I actually have a 26-year-old son with intellectual disabilities. So assisting families and individuals really has as much of a professional, as much of a professional experience for me as it does on a personal matter. Um, and really just uh, feel like it's going to be a meaningful impact to these individuals. So I'm glad that the group is really starting to focus part of their practice and part of what we do uh, assisting these types of individuals. Absolutely. And sometimes it's those personal pulls and experiences that really amplify our need to move in a certain direction professionally. So that's great that you're able to have the experience and the expertise in this area. What about you, June? What happened is the uh, the special needs rollout is a refocus on the trust because attorneys actually have been talking to us about the need in the community. According to a briefing that came out in February 2020 from DESE, the Department of Secondary Education here in Massachusetts, 16.7% of Massachusetts students ages 6 to 21 receive special education services. Of course, there's a range of special needs, and not all children with special needs will require the kind of long-term care or services we're talking about today. But still, that's a lot of students, which means there are many parents and families who might want to learn as much as they can about the financial services that could benefit their child. It's the involvement with the families and having that relationship with them and helping them that has really brought me to specialize in the special needs trust. Great. And Scott, what would make someone need? I mean, there are many parents who have children with special needs, but when would somebody need a special needs trust? Yeah, great question. And really what it comes down to is what you're eligible to have a special needs trust to help to supplement a few different uh, financial resources that are available for these individuals and for uh, their parents. So there really is not, I guess, not a 
a time that's too soon or too late to do that. You really want to, you know, at least start thinking about it sooner once you have some type of diagnosis or some issues where you um, might need these special needs trusts to help to protect both federal and state benefits that are available. When it comes to federal and state benefits available to those with special needs, who qualifies and what they qualify for and when can be more than a little confusing. We're here to help, and in the show notes, I'm going to list a frequently asked question document the IMG team at Rockland Trust has developed to help with this process. In June, what are these unique financial needs of a parent of someone with special needs? Well, having the funds to provide for adequate lifetime care or assistance and uh, also appointing someone to manage your adult child's finances after your death and maintaining your child's eligibility for government benefits. And also, it's, it's very important to have an estate plan in place as well. In episode two of the No Shame in This Money Game podcast, we talked about lawyers and trusts and wills. Oh my. So if you need to brush up on all things estate planning, and spoiler alert, you don't have to live in a castle or have a million dollars in savings to have an estate, check out episode two. And may I add, Julie, that also for the parents to leave a letter of intent, which could outline what they would like after their death and taking care of this individual, the individual's likes, dislikes, and their special needs as well. Right. As parents, we know that being a parent is full of all sorts of ups and downs and responsibilities and scheduling. Everything goes by so fast from the soccer practices to the graduations and all that. And you add on that having a child with special needs and you add on the attention that needs to be given and the potential hospital visits and occupational therapy and physical therapy and all of the appointments that need to be met. This is another have to, correct, for parents of, of kids with special needs. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, it even factors into, a lot, which a lot of people don't think about, they think of the disability more, it's a physical or, you know, or some other type of disability, but all individuals, unfortunately, with mental health issues, mm-hmm. um, these types of trust are extremely important as well, because most of these individuals, they have two different financial resources available um, for both the state and the federal government, and that's social security income. The second financial resource that's available is social security disability income and Individuals either with a disability or mental health issues are eligible for that, and that's not needs-based. That's if you've paid into the Social Security system at one point in time and now you're no longer able to work. Or if your parent, if the disabled child's parent is now retired, that particular disabled individual is able to collect 50% of the retired parent's Social Security. So those are two good resources that help to assist with some of the financial needs that special needs individuals may have to, to cover over a period of time. But normally that's not enough to cover month-to-month expenses, and that's why these special needs trusts that are funded with assets are very important to complement either SSI or SSDI. It sounds like having these trusts are so important to maintain the the care, the lifestyle, the needs of whatever it is that your child with special needs is going to need as they grow. But are there different kinds of special needs trusts? Yeah. So there's really, I would say, probably three main special needs trusts. 
The first one, which would either be what's called a self-settled or first-party special needs trust, is funded from assets of the actual individual. They could be assets that they have personally or assets that they're inheriting that unfortunately didn't automatically go into a special needs trust, or if they had actually the legal right to assets. And what I mean by legal right to assets would mean if it's part of some type of malpractice or personal injury case um, where there's a settlement, and in order to stay on the um, federal and state benefits, those funds would have to go into this type of trust. The second is what's called a third-party special needs trust, and those are actually assets that were never the, the disabled individual's assets to begin with. They would go directly, and I'll give you an example, like for myself, if something happened to me and I wanted to pass it on to my child, then I would have a portion of my estate that would say, okay, I want 50% of my assets to go into this third-party special needs trust. They weren't actually the assets of that individual, and they went directly to the special needs trust. There would be no payback provisions with a first-party special needs trust because those were actually the assets of the individual, and Medicaid has been providing benefits for many, many years for that individual. There would have to be a, a payback or a lien placed on that trust. And then the third one would be a pooled trust, and that's usually ran by a not-for-profit. I mean, those are usually smaller trusts that either a family member or part of a malpractice um, is using to fund those. And the reason why it's called a pooled trust is where actually those assets are pooled together. So those are usually for smaller dollar amounts, either that an individual would be setting up for someone with a disability or a smaller malpractice or personal injury case. Okay, so if you're anything like me, you're on information overload. But let me just summarize that Scott just explained three kinds of special needs trusts. And if you need to play that section again and again until you decide which one is right for you, that's fine. This stuff is not easy, but you're not alone. And there are plenty of people like June and Scott who live, eat, and breathe this information every day. So just breathe and keep listening. Who has the oversight of these kinds of trusts and what kind of responsibility does this trustee have? Sure. Parents can serve as the initial trustee, but upon their death, a successor trustee can be named in the trust document. Typically, a corporate trustee can be named in the trust document and that a a corporate trustee can serve as sole trustee or if a family would prefer that a family member share the financial responsibility, trustee can also serve as co-trustee. Great. And June, when you say a corporate trustee, you're talking about someone like, for example, someone like you at Rockland Trust? Exactly. Rockland Trust. Exactly. Okay. And that can be really beneficial because as we learn month after month in this podcast, we're not born knowing all of the ins and outs of these financial situations. And as parents, having a corporate trustee, maybe along with somebody in a family, but having that base of knowing a fiduciary is looking after your funds that you're leaving to your child is something that is really important. Okay, so here's a first. I'm interrupting my own self to define what a fiduciary is. 
Now, this is not a term that I knew before I was a financial educator, so I'm assuming not everybody knows what it means. But when it comes to choosing a financial advisor or anybody who's going to help you with anything financial, it's very important to make sure they are fiduciary. What does that mean? It means they put their clients' best interests before their own, seeking the best prices and terms, and they act in good faith and provide all relevant facts to their clients. Make sure that anyone you're working with is a fiduciary. Yeah, I mean, I think each each family kind of makes that decision when, when they're comfortable doing that, and there's not a right or wrong except for the fact that the sooner you do it, because these types of trusts can easily be changed as this child develops and you need to adjust the terms accordingly. So I always recommend the sooner the better as part of the actual family's overall estate plan. So if I was going in or if a parent was going in to do their will, you probably want to have the other types of estate planning documents in place, which it, which obviously would include the special needs trust. So I just think, you know, our recommendation is the sooner you do this, the better, because you'll just be in a much better situation when that day comes where that trust needs to be funded and it needs to be used to cover some of the expenses not covered through other financial means. Is there a particular popular time when you see a lot of parents looking to set up a special needs trust? Some of the special needs trusts actually get created when the child turns 18, when they're no longer a minority and they turn into a, a majority or adulthood, because at that point, the parent and the disabled individual together need to make a decision on whether or not guardianship is appropriate, or if not, then it probably makes sense for that special needs individual who is competent to be able to do these, to probably do like a power of attorney and a healthcare proxy and some other documents. So a lot of times that's when I'll see that special needs trust being drafted by the parents is because now their child is now technically an adult right? and you need to make that guardianship for power of attorney and healthcare proxy decisions. So many decisions, really important ones. You know, life is hard and then there's paperwork. And and though that paperwork can make life easier down the line, it can feel really overwhelming. And as far as, as Rockland Trust kind of embracing this section of investment management, you have a, a newer relationship with the Academy of Special Needs Planners. June, could you tell me anything about that? Sure. So the bank is a member of the Academy of Special Needs Planners. Through the membership, it allows Scott and I access to planning professionals that share their knowledge and allows us to attend virtual meetings. Scott just attended their annual conference last week. So, and this gives us a deeper knowledge of special needs planning. Members have access to drawing on the other members' expertise. So members can send emails to ask for feedback about an issue that may affect their clients. Scott and I see several emails per day where, you know, attorneys and other professionals uh, come across something that they're sharing with other members, just trying to get their feedback and see if they have dealt with this previously. And the members are across the country. Especially if we're working with a family now that is Kate to another part of the country, that's a great resource for us to connect mm-hmm. them with a law firm or someone else that deals specifically on special needs trust. Because even though it's governed by the federal government, each state can take the federal laws and then tweak them to what is most appropriate for their state. So sometimes the special needs trust has to be 
amended if a client relocates from one state to the other to make sure that their eligibility is still going to be intact for that state. So being a, a member of the academy is just a great resource for us for that and, as June said, for many other reasons. Definitely. I mean, being a parent of a child with special needs can be a very isolating experience because you're not having the same experience that the majority of folks that you interact with are having. And so to be able to access a network of planners, to have you all be able to represent that network and help others who are having very similar experiences is so valuable. That's really a a great relationship to have. Yeah, it certainly is, because, I mean, I think everyone has always heard that old quote that it takes a village to raise a family or to raise a child, and I think that's definitely the case here, and it even expands out. That village even gets bigger with a child with special needs because you're incorporating, you know, the attorney, the trustees, the financial planner, potentially a social worker, the school system. So there's so many other individuals that become part of that village that maybe aren't needed for other types of children. So I think, you know, expanding that village makes a tremendous amount of sense. And we're very pleased to be able to, to assist with that. Thank you so much for all of this today. And as you know, uh, this podcast isn't all serious all the time. Uh, It is the no shame in this money game after all. So I have a spinning wheel here. And every time I have a guest, I spin the wheel and you get a random question. What is your favorite quote and why? There's probably a couple, but I think the one that would be, I guess, at the top of my list would be... Do your little bit of good where you are. It's those little bits of good put together that overwhelm the world. Um, and sometimes I think whether, no matter where you are, sometimes things get a little overwhelming. So I think if you can just take a step back and try to do some good things in where you are, it, it really can have a big impact, um, both short-term and long-term, um, out in the community and, and, and throughout the world. I love it. I, that's great. That's a great quote. I like, that's great. Mm-hmm. That is. That's great. This one is for you, June. Since Rockland Trust is the bank where each relationship matters, what is one word that you can use to describe your relationship with money? Mine is planning. That makes a lot of sense. I've always planned throughout my life. I planned for my first car, planned to have so much to put down, so much to finance. So planning, planned for my first home planning for even trips. So I guess my my word is planning. Wonderful. I like it. And it has a lot to do with your profession. So that is so great. Well, thank you, Scott. And thank you, June. This has been so educational and so helpful for so many families. So I really appreciate all that you do and think that our audience is going to appreciate that as well. So thank you so much, Scott. Thank you for having me, Julie. I really appreciate it. And thank you, June. Yes, thank you very much for having us. Thank you for listening to the No Shame in This Money Game podcast, brought to you by Rockland Trust, member FDIC. My name is Julie Beckham, and yes, I do take requests. So be sure to email your personal finance questions and curiosities to me, your host and your educator, at julie.beckham at rocklandtrust.com. 